Well, someone stole my homily. I put them, I saw them here myself. Let me go check in the back. Well, the last time I preached from the Ambo, I'm sure it was a sacristan very well-intentioned trying to help out. But last time I preached from the Ambo, it was about uh, exorcism and spiritual warfare. And so I'm sure some of you are having a mini panic attack, like what's Father Adam about to preach about? Well, it's about to be nothing in the shortest homily of all time because I don't even have my notes. But luckily I have at least the first part memorized. So. Back uh, when I was on pastoral year at uh, St. Charles, and I was also with Bishop Moore High School, and there was uh, a family, a wonderful family. Uh, the daughter had just returned from uh, one of the mission trips they do to the Dominican Republic, and while she was gone, the uh, father had bought a new car. And uh, as anyone would, you know, you're excited for your new car, and you're, you're test driving it, you're checking out all the new features, all that sort of stuff. And so naturally he picks up his daughter from the airport coming home from the Dominican Republic in this brand new car, I mean, fully loaded, everything. And I also, it's a wonderful, like loving, charitable family. I don't want to paint a negative picture of these people. Really incredible family. But anyway, so he picks her up and he's telling her all these uh, details about, you know, the car and all its features. And she just stops and she goes, Dad, I, I can't listen to you talk about this car anymore. Because where I was in the Dominican Republic, there were people who didn't even have shoes. And it kind of stopped him in his tracks. And it wasn't so much that, you know, what they had materially and what the people in the Dominican Republic didn't have, but she recognized something that they had in the Dominican Republic that she did not have. You see, there was this joy that she found in the people there up in the mountains of the Dominican Republic. There was this love that she experienced there that she'd only dreamed of experiencing here. And that's this material pride can set in, this idea that what I have, something that I have, and if you need to have it, like I have stuff, you need to have stuff, and when you have stuff, then you'll be happy like me. But what does that say about the source of our happiness? Then we're saying the source of what makes me happy is what I have and what I own. That's this material pride. And it's not to say that uh, somehow having money or possessions or having a successful career is something that you should be upset or ashamed about. On the contrary, it's not what I'm saying at all. But it's when we start to place our happiness in those things. When we start to believe that that is what's going to be the source of all our happiness. It's this material pride. And that is where everything rests. And it's not true. And then we start to feel empty inside when we start to do that. Because we have this, you know, the next promotion will make me happy. The next raise, the next position of higher power will somehow make me happy. And that's just not the case. And we have to believe as Catholics in this consistent ethic of life, despite uh, any circumstances in life, what's going on in our lives, despite where we live or what conditions that we're living in, there is a dignity given to us by God. And I would like to point out, I'm doing all of this by memory of a script that I once had. <laughs> like, can I get some credit here? I'm just gonna keep going and praying that we get through this. We're gonna, we're gonna make it through, okay? So, anyway. We have uh, this, now I've just lost my spot entirely, but we're gonna make it through. So, consistent ethic of life, from conception till natural death, and as my professor in the seminary would say, in every moment in between. Actually, random question. Do we have anyone here from the Philippines here? No? One? So, my, the professor that I just mentioned, 
he returned back to the Philippines and he's been going like viral in the Philippines, Father Ferdi Santos. Like people, every, every person I know who's Catholic and from the Philippines has been, do you know Father Ferdi? I'm like, yeah. But anyway, that's beside the point. So this consistent ethic of life, conception till natural death, every moment in between. And again, if, if we have that dignity from conception, we have it all the way through our life because we did not somehow earn this dignity, it was God given. It is from that moment of conception all the way through. And so I'd like during this Respect Life Month in October to be able to kind of go through that consistent ethic of life, starting with the beginning, starting with conception. And it's the lie that creeps in that somehow people who are pro-life, who are against abortion, only care about like having babies. Like that's their sole care. That's what we care about completely a lie. Like, let's just dispel all of that, get that out there. Um, the reality is we have places like Life Choices in Maitland who are right next to an abortion clinic. And when a woman goes into the abortion clinic, they're told, you have a problem and we have a solution and we're going to just take care of this problem for you. And then as soon as the abortion happens, the woman is kicked out, like, we, have, we did our part, now you have to go figure out the rest of your life. But when a woman goes into Life Choices, and even if she had the abortion, Life Choices will receive this woman and say, what can we do to help you? What are your needs? How can we love you as a person? What kind of counseling do you need? As this woman is now suffering from the loss of a child, and Life Choices takes them in and says, no, we love you for you, because you have dignity, and we love you. You see, there's this, the bishops have said, Time and time again, I'm here to repeat that abortion is the preeminent threat to human life. Preeminent meaning the first most primacy of the utmost important because it's the first threat. They're without a voice, so we're here to give them a voice. But as women come into places like Life Choices, and then we have JMJ, and places like JMJ walk with, a new, uh, with new parents for that first over a year of life. And they, as they come in and they're suffering from so many things in their life, maybe they don't have a place, uh, proper housing, they don't have a job to support a child. And there's all these external anxieties in their life that they're suffering from. And JMJ comes and says, we're here to help you to provide you a proper place to live, to uh, help you find work so that you can support your child. And then when your child is born, we're, gonna, we're not just going to say, okay, great, your child's born, get out. We're going to walk with you and make sure that we have, can support you in any way that we can. That's what we're here to do. See, it's that lie that somehow pro-life people somehow hate the mother and only love the child. It's, it's all a lie. But as they, they deal with all these things in their life, all these ways that uh, these external anxieties, we have to remember that it's not just about keeping them, okay, we, you've had the child. There's all these other things that people deal with in their lives that affect their human dignity. And we heard two weeks ago from Lazarus Ministries, and Lazarus Ministries uh, works with these people down Lee Road and makes sure that they can get out of that cycle of poverty. And it's our, the work that we do here that helps them end that cycle of poverty. It's groups like our Haiti Ministry that's able to go and not just to get, put a Band-Aid on an issue or to give a bunch of stuff. That would be that material pride, right? We have stuff, you need stuff, we'll give you stuff, and then you're happy. That's not what we do. We build sustainable programs so that way these people might be able to grow and develop as persons, as persons with dignity given by God. And then, so we have Lazarus Ministries, Haiti Ministries that help these people grow and develop to ensure that human dignity throughout their life, not just the beginning, but throughout their life. 
And I'd like to hit on one end-of-life issue being the death penalty. And the lies that creep in are that somehow that uh, it saves the government money, and at least in Florida, that's not the case at all. It doesn't save the uh, Florida government any money whatsoever. Um, and then you have those who are on death row for decades, and then they find out, oh, actually, you're innocent. Or those who, uh, unfortunately, are executed, and then we find out later that they're innocent. And from a faith perspective, the thing that we have to point out the most is that it doesn't allow the ability for reconciliation and repentance. Those things, if we have received that reconciliation with God, if we have received God's mercy, how can we not try to extend that to every single person that we encounter? And if there's one thing I want everyone to be able to pull away from this homily, it's this. That just like in our gospel today, we have Jesus Christ looking at us with that loving gaze. And he looks at every single one of us, every single person, every single one of his creatures with that loving gaze. That we're called to receive that loving gaze, to convert our lives, to be able to follow him, and then to look out at others with eyes of love, that they might too know that they are loved by the Father. All of that out of memory. Thank you very much.